All right, welcome to a new episode of Queen City Roundup. I'm your host, Joey Kanji. With me, as always, my co-host, Matthew Spaniolo. Say what's up. My beard is back, and I'm excited. Yes, you don't uh, look like you're 12 years old anymore. Dude, um, like, shaving for me, like, what's what sucks is that, like, I will, I kind of want to do, like, the military look, like, kind of, like, no hair, all beard. Uh, but, I mean, like, I don't want to risk going bald, considering I messed this up, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually it, look it's, half decent again. It's weird. Like you, you probably have as much facial hair as I do. And I, the last time I shaved was in October, and the last time you shaved was a few weeks ago. I know, right? Like my genetics are basically like, like people always assume that I'm Arab just because like I just grow everything back, and I'm just like, uh, it's like, oh, you've sure. never met it. You've never met an Italian before. Yeah, uh, funny weird story before we actually get into uh, the beat of the show. Um, You got a wee bit of time for your funny story. uh, So there was one time, it was my old job. uh, I was working as like a a fitness instructor for kids. I know I have to look for that, right? Um, But anyway, so (laughs) uh, there was one mom who, of course, like most moms in the GTA York region area are either of certain ethnicities whether they are on the far italian side or on the far persian side or arabic side so uh i don't know what it was but i think i like said one of the kids names like i guess perfectly and she looked at me and she goes you're persian right and i'm like no she goes you're kidding i'm like why would i lie about my ethnicity like am i ashamed of it and i'm like no it's like what are you i'm like i'm italian she goes oh like half i'm like no full and she's like no, I don't believe that. And it's I'm like, just oh like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just a man of culture. Like, no big deal. I'm like, I'm sorry, ma'am, that you are now ancestry.com and are going to tell me where I'm from. But, I mean, it is what it is. Um, and also, the hair is now making me look like a worse version of Chandler from Friends, but with a really, really burly beard. <laughs> um, yeah, life's a movie. Uh, all right so before we get started i want all of you guys listening to just pull out your phones right now go on to twitter.com follow us at q underscore city roundup and then once you've done that you should have already done it by now it doesn't take long go open up your instagram app and search queen city roundup and give that a follow as well if you would be so kind that take it's free i'm sure if you if you've ever followed anyone on the social media before showing is fun yeah um and then hopefully that guilted you into into following us and uh yeah so today we will be talking about toronto sports so that includes the toronto maple leafs and what they did in vancouver and we'll look forward to in their Vancouver. matchup. I said hosting Vancouver. Sorry, what they did hosting Billy Vancouver. Um, and then we'll take a look forward. I'm, I'm just trying to just ignore it and just go right through it with it. So you yeah, from me. now now we're gonna look forward and see tee up their matchups against Montreal. And then we got some Raptors, and I guess there's a little bit of Blue Jays talk. It's not really much going on there right now. 
kind of dead after a couple weeks. But first, let's start with some Jason Spezza appreciation. Yeah. Um, little little known fact. Um, Jason Spezza is actually sitting right now seventh in team scoring and has more points than both than everyone on the third and fourth line. So go figure that one. Um, Jason Spezza, I believe, is on pace in an 82-game season to have, like, 50 points, which is something he hasn't done in years. Um, did he get nine goals last year? He uh, So right now, Jason Spezza, uh, goal, his goal total is at four. Three have been scored in a game uh, against the Canucks, which is very fun. His goal total last year was nine, and his point total last year was six. Uh, with 25. So he's almost six. halfway there already. So he's almost halfway in, in goals. A short and, he's season. Like, and he's like a quarter of the way there in assists. So math. You don't need to be good at it to know about hockey. Um, but anyway. Unless so, you want to get into those those stupid analytics that are ruining the game. I mean, like, it, it's, it's the, a the good sarcasm, mixture. by the way. I know. I know. It's one of those things where it's like, you know, you can't get away from being too analytic or too much of the eye test. And that's, that's always going to be there. But anyway, so Jason Spezza, for a guy who only averages about 10 minutes a night, is scoring more than Zach Hyman, who has been averaging 20 minutes a night and also has been scoring more than, like like I said, basically everybody on the third line and below. You know uh, what? That makes me curious as to what his points per 60 is right now because if he's only playing about 10 minutes a night, his points per 60 must be through the roof. So I'm going to look that up right now. 2021 season. Let's see. Okay, obviously you got Connor McDavid at first. Let's what see. Are looking, what are you looking at? Like uh, I'm curious uh, where, where where he is in points per sixty, Jason Spezza. Damn. Like per sixty minutes played. You gotta shout out the tool that you're using. So I don't even know. Can... I'm still just. Uh, did you just literally Google Jason Spezza points per sixty? No, I just said NHL points per sixty, and then I figured he wouldn't be like. Nah, Let's it's see. not that. It's it's not that easy, buddy. Yes, Maybe I know. Is. I know. I need to get better at, at this thing called technology. More importantly, can we talk about Travis Boyd almost being at a point per game in the five games that he's played? Yeah, I've really, I've really liked him. He's been, he's been really good. And Miko Lettinen has three assists on the year. Pretty good. Um, I haven't been two. as much as a fan of, of as yeah. I haven't been as big a, of a fan of Miko Lettinen, but Miko Metinen. Miko Lettinen, I said. I did not say Miko Metinen. Oh, just wait until Miko Kokkinen comes up and then the two are defense partners. That's going to be crazy. <laughs> the Miko connection. Um, so while Joey struggles to try and find Oh, I gave up defense, already. Okay, all right. So he's basically me uh, in the... But Joey's basically me at this point in college to an extent. Just because mm-hmm. I'm so fed up with everything. Um, worth noting, and I completely... Did not realize this. Mitch Barr is quietly third in the in the league in points. That's pretty good. I mean, like, that's that's where he I would I, I would expect him to be. And what's even funny is that everyone was kind of shitting on Marner to 
to start the season. And then now he's kind of like, oh, hi, guys. Um, you may be wondering how I got in this situation. Um, but, like, the thing is, isn't like, I, I, the, the controversial topic was Marner cannot carry a line by himself. I think it's more... Marner wants to elevate the players that he plays with and wants to bring the best out of the players. That's why they put him with Tavares and Matthews and and basically now he's with knows. now he's with Matthews. Yeah. Remember it was was the last season or the season before that he spent a lot of time with Tavares and it was Nylander up with Matthews. Right, and that's really what is dynamic about this Leaf offense and what many people uh, don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> Brian Burke. Um, but basically like all, all six of Tavares, Marner, Matthews, Nylander, and Hyman, all, is that five or six? I feel like I just completely, wait, Matthews, Tavares, Hyman, Nylander. I can't even count. Jesus. You were just talking about math earlier and you can't even count. Uh, there's another name that I'm forgetting there, but anyway, I digress. Um. Like, those guys are so synonymous with, like, kind of, like, the nucleus of the team that, like, we saw in the playoffs, like, Keith just said, screw it. I'm going to put out Tavares with Marner and Matthews and see how good this does. And I think it got them a goal, if I remember correctly. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, But, like, it's working. I think, personally, like, it's one of those, like, situations where I look at it and I'm like, it doesn't really matter who's on. And, like, the thing is, like, Matthews has had so many line mates over his career. Like, I think, like, what, he started with, like, Brown and Hyman. Or it was First Hyman, liner, no, Connor Hyman, Brown. Yeah, it was, no, it was Hyman, Nylander, and then it was uh, Hyman, Hyman, Matthews, Brown. Uh, then there was the whole Marlowe thing, which I liked for two seconds, and then I said, okay, this is enough. Uh, Joe Thornton. Uh, that's pretty much it. He's basically had Hyman glued to him like the majority of his career. Oh, and then of course he had Andreas Janssen and Kasperi Kapanen who were hit and miss, I guess you could say. Uh, just because like, uh, you know, Janssen was, were you the one that told, uh, that said that Janssen probably capped out? No, it was one of my other friends. He said that Janssen probably capped out in that one year of 41 points. And then the next year he's just not going to, Eclipse that, which yeah. is questionable because again, like we don't know what's happening and, and the grand scheme of this season. Um, but going back to like the way that this league team has played so far, like it's really showcasing the guys that they've brought. A, they brought back, and B, they brought in, and it really just goes like, dude, the veteran talent on this team is so important because like. We saw on Saturday, like, when Simmons scored a goal, like, the team was just ecstatic. And then Matthew scores, I think, like, two more, and he's just like, meh. Like, I've done this And Matthew's is like, this is way – this is far too easy. <laughs> exactly. Like, if he's over the span – and I, I, I don't mean to, to diss on the Canucks, and we'll, we'll get to them in a bit just because, like, it's mind-boggling where they are right now. But it feels like if you have a rough patch, you go and play the Canucks – unless you're Ottawa, and you get better. Like, Montreal start their season, and you you were talking about this, about how you're not sold on Montreal because they basically pounded the Canucks. Uh, they rebounded from 
you know, they rebounded from some tough losses against uh, the Leafs. Like they lost against the Leafs. They beat the Oilers, but of course the Oilers are not really much of an improvement from the Canucks aside from the two best players. I just think the Oilers are mediocre. But like, if you look at the, if you look at the Habs, like they're the highest scoring team in the league. It's, It's not a good division. Yeah, I'll just it, say that much. It, it it inflates the Habs scoring because they're playing a lot of the same people. Like when you're scoring six goals against the Canucks, but you're scoring only two against Ottawa, on average, something's wrong there. Especially with the way that Ottawa's goaltending has been. Um, but I think what really sticks out, like the goal, the goaltending is always going to be slow on any team. Freddie, his last two games were big because. You know, he only allowed one goal, which kind of feels like a rarity. I don't know. Because, like, we're so used to, like, Freddie letting in, like, two. And then, like, even if the Leafs are up by five or four, that he'll let in another one. Fred's been good since the first two games. To me, if I were to go through, like, all Frederick Anderson's games this season, like, in a nutshell, uh, the first two were brutal. Uh, the Winnipeg game is probably the best that he's been. He was good against the Oilers. I think I think last night was the best he was. Yeah, I think like since the Winnipeg game, he really kind of took that step forward and he's given them chances to win. I think even though like they didn't win certain games, like they didn't beat the Oilers that night uh, a couple weeks ago now. When um, they lost 3-1, but one of them was an empty netter. Yes, but also like, you know, when they were in Edmonton and, and it was 4-3, like, you know, he took that game to overtime because, you know, if he was still October Freddy, that Archibald feed from Rysaddle would have gone in, but it didn't. Um, and like Freddy right now is at a 904. And like you look at that, and it's like that's not really the sexiest. That but before yesterday, he was an 890 something. And worth noting, Freddy Anderson leads the league in, in wins right now with eight. Yeah, wins isn't so, really a goalie stat for me, but well, yes, but also like also one thing that's worth noting. I just noticed this right now. I'm on sports stats. So you know how one of the one of the stats that I've always looked at with Freddie Anderson is is the saves stat showing like you know the total number of saves your goalie has made throughout the season. So Frederick Anderson usually is in the top three. He's down to four this time, 273. Ahead of him is his former uh, tandem partner John Gibson with 280. Next was next to him or above him is Vitek Vanacek from the Washington Capitals. You want to know who the, the number one is? In, Nico, in what? Nico Koskinen, 336 shots or saves. Yeah, but say. he's also played like what all but one of the all but two of their games. Yeah. Because like, Edmonton yeah, literally and, didn't have a goalie. Well, I mean, now they have Smith back. So like now at I don't know how happy you would be to have Mike Smith in the goal. Like, sorry, but he's not Mike Smith from when he was with Arizona. Crazy how the NHL works. How, like, these goalies are just, like, ride a season of success into, like, a, an Olympic gold medal in which he was the third-string goalie and all these contracts that he's signed since since getting the the, the Coyotes into the – to the Western Conference Finals, like almost make, a decade ago. If you make a good impression in the NHL, you're going to get a contract. And I think that's what we. It's really like, need to... it's like we. This kind of relates to what we're going to get to later. Um, 
But if you just like a first round draft pick, you you have yourself at minimum half a decade in, in the NHL, no matter how bad you are. Yeah. And it's almost like, you know, even even if you're a journeyman and you uh you know, more or less just like spend a couple years in Europe, like you're you'll come back. Like it, it's almost like the joke that I always make is like the NHL has like no uh, variety and no uh, sense of originality because everyone that gets fired gets hired like two years later. Um, and then players that disappear to go off to Europe come back like three or four years later. Like we saw it with Radulov. We saw it with, uh, there's another name I'm thinking of. Kelberg Arenko. I don't know why that one came in my head. Uh, there was another one that I'm thinking about that I'm losing my train of thought about. Anyways, we're, we're, we are we are kind of off topic anyways. Yeah, we um, are pretty <laughs> off topic. The last thing I uh, – the one thing I want to bring up is like, did you expect Vancouver to be this bad? Are they this bad or is it just like – Considering they were the only Canadian team left in the bubble is very surprising. And considering with the way that Demko was playing in the bubble, they could have went easily in my eyes to the Western Conference final, just said it all. Um, like Demko, I think, should be the better goalie, but like, dude, defensively, this team is not good. And I know that's rich coming from the Leafs, who have not had a stable defense core. But like, their best two defensemen are two players who are. Not useless, but not very good in their own end. In yeah, Schmidt and, and Hughes. Exactly. And you're not paying those guys to be, you know, defend defensive uh no. defensive players. You're you're paying them you're paying Hughes for power play time. But you have to you you have to like put them around people who will be that so you get that balance from them. So I guess they haven't like, done that. Well, I think like everyone was thinking like the notorious question of, of the three players that the Canucks let go, uh, which one really stung? Was oh. Tanev, was it Toffoli, or was it Markstrom? I think – can I say all three of them? <laughs> all three of them were massive. I have, a four, I have a fourth one. I'm just really surprised that they didn't bring back. Troy Stetcher. Well, they traded him away for – no way! No, he was a free agent, right? They did not tender Troy Stetcher, which yes. I was very surprised about because, uh, like, there were rumors for like. I mean, he's better people. than who? Who? Who is it? Chatfield. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> like the only, the only reason why Julian Chatfield is in the lineup because he's six one. Sorry, not sorry. Um, and I think what, like, I don't know if you remember this because this is literally like over a year ago. The rumors were that um i had it i had a thought and then i forgot about it. oh my god oh no i remember it so the the rumor was that the leafs were inquiring about stature for tyson berry or a package involving oh, yeah. those two and i was so for that because stature in my opinion okay he's on the red wings and they're not really a great team in terms of defense and goaltending but stature but- on the leafs is a better version of what Barry was supposed to be. And he fits be. more into their timeline. Yeah, and he's younger. And you and you get him some control. You've gotten him for that, cheap. The fact that, one, you didn't even bother to shop him, and two, you just decided not to tender him, was 
criminal. That's terrible asset management. I honestly think letting Mark, okay, like the thing is, like with Markstrom, they weren't going to bring him back just because, like, they knew if Demco does not have that bubble performance, Markstrom's locked up 100%. But because of that, management goes, uh oh, you know, we have, and, and like Demco's pretty, you know, he's getting up there. He's like 25, going to be 26. That's when goalies really start to mature. So, like, the Markstrom one, I'll give them a pass because, like, you didn't know this. And also, like, you bet it on Braden Holpe. To I don't know why you take that bet on Braden Holpe, though. You can't just take Markstrom and be like, okay, here's an unproven uh, goalie that we're just going to hand the keys of the franchise to. Like, that's dumb. That's terrible. I don't know what they were thinking. Like, it's one thing if they let Markstrom go, but they signed, like, uh, or traded for, like, an actual proven goalie. I don't remember who was a free agent or not at this point, but. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Austin Matthews killed all the whole, all the momentum Braden Holtby had because he has not had an elite season since 16-17 when the Leafs played the Capitals in the first round of the playoffs. Austin uh, Matthews did not kill his momentum. He had no momentum. He hasn't been good since the Capitals' Stanley Cup run. Or, yeah, you, no, you, he want, was, you want to Actually, hear, that year he wasn't even that great. It was. Yeah, you want to hear his, his slash line from the year he won the Cup. So from the year he won the Cup, this is from 2018 until this year. A 907 and 54 games, a 911 okay. and 59 games, an improvement of average, an 897 and 48 games, and an 885. Granted, in eight games, but still, that's rough. This is the guy who, who you're supposed to like, replace Markstrom with? Like, I don't know what Benning was doing. Benning, well, to me, to my me favorite this... is, is Jim Benning just running out of, running out of time to sign to Foley. How does that happen? It's a pandemic. What else were you doing? How do you just run out of time? I think the Canucks would be in a worse situation if that Oliver Ekman Larson deal did not fall through. Because I thought that they were a shoe in to get that contract. And dude, if they did, first of all, Larson has passed it. First of all, you would have no money to sign Hughes or Pedersen. Uh, and two, are they on contract years? Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why Benning decided to let them go because he has to sign Patterson. He has to sign. Hughes. It's just, it's just amazing to me how like you, you made the second round last year, pushed a game seven against a very good Vegas team, and you just decide these three key players we have, that's ah, okay, just go after after creating all of this buzz around your team and all these expectations, which is why I think this year the Vancouver Canucks are a sadder case than the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, because at least with the Sens, you didn't have many expectations. Like, no, the Sens, you knew they were going to be bad. Exactly. Like, you could make all the friggin' hemming and hawing about Matt Murray and one-two Stanley Cups and blah, blah, blah. Like, the Sens were not going to be good no matter what because they still have a lot of unexperienced and unproven talent and not, no one really elite, I'd say, are, are aside from Thomas Shabbat, because I do respect uh, Shabbat because he was one of the harder working players in, in his draft class. Um, but, like, the thing is, is, like, with the Canucks, like, looking at the players that they have up, like, Alex Edler's up. You're not going to bring him back. Jordy Ben is up. You're not going to bring him back. Brandon Sutter is up. You just know the Canucks are going to want to bring him back because Jim Benning likes – uh, underachieving players who score hat tricks, 
the big the big thing that I I think Vancouver needs to realize they if if Benning just like I, I'm naming three, four guys that they could sell on their roster for futures like they could sell Pearson they could sell Vertanen uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they sell like a Jordy Ben for like a fifth or a sixth because somebody I don't think gonna he's got much value. Um, and that's really about it. Like, no one's gonna take Tanner Meyer or Tanner Meyer. Oh my god, Tyler that Myers. Myers contract is terrible. That was terrible from the day he signed it. Name me a worse contract: Antoine Roussel or uh, Tyler Myers. I think both are equally bad. What's Roussel at? Roussel's full deal is four times 12 and he's making and his highest point total as a Canuck with 31 in his first season. Uh, but then he hit 13 and now he's got three. So he's making 3 million a year. Yes. Okay. That's not good. good. No, I think Myers is worse. 3 million. You can, you Myers can work is, your way Myers around. Is, Myers is making six. Dude, yeah. Myers 6 is million is bad. bad. To me, Myers has not had a good season since, like, he had one good year in 17-18. No, he had one good year in 17-18, but, like, you look at the right side for the Jets back, like, if it's 17-18, it's about um, four, that goes four years ago. Four years ago, give or four take. Four seasons, yeah. You look at that right side, and it's unmatched. Like, you've got... That goes- that goes you back know. to my point. You can have one good year and you get by yourself half a decade. Bufflin, Truba, Myers, all gone within literally two years of that. Because Bufflin just said, screw it. I don't want to play hockey anymore. I want my Stanley Cup. Uh, Myers goes to Vancouver and Truba ends up getting traded to the Rangers. So, like, to me, he was – and also, like, he was playing with, with – players that were better at the time and like the thing is is like winnipeg like with myers he was known as the big guy who would take reserve minutes and like throw the body if he needed to uh he wasn't getting any power play time uh he's taken more penalties this season dude 16 games in this guy's got 31 penalty minutes yeah like I'm not trying to say that he's going for like the what was it the Bill Masterton where you where you uh, yeah where you take penalty minutes or something, but like dude, 31 already like that's like Simmons doesn't even have that much, which is saying a lot. I mean, um, I think his only penalties were the two fights he got into. Yeah, I'm like I think he maybe had another one. Well, I think this begs the question: Who's out first between Travis Green and Jim Benning? I know the answer. But it's not the answer I want. I think I know where you're going with this. I think we have the same answers. I think we both think that it should be bending, but it's going to be green. Yeah, because, like, keep in mind, Jim Benning was supposed to be gone, I think, like, 2016 or 2017, and then they decided to uh, re-up him because they – got Pedersen back and they figured, okay, this guy's got a good drafting record. To me, he is the reverse Lou Lamorello in the form of Lou, like, Lou can't draft. I'm sorry, he can't. Um, at least as of recently. I Like, you look at the last few mm-hmm. Leafs drafts before him and uh, there weren't that many hits. Bending can't really draft either. That was their scouting guy and they, oh. and they fired him. 
Well, a little known fact about the Vancouver Canucks is that Jim Benning's son, I believe, is a scout for the team. So, oh, that's that's that isn't that the most NHL thing ever? They're getting their money's worth with that. Um, but like the thing is, is like you look at Benning's draft history, like it's not bad. Like, I don't want to keep spending time on the Canucks, but like you got Pedersen in the draft, uh, you got Besser, uh, apparently Polzokin, uh, in Russia, supposed to be really good. Like, I don't, I don't know. It's just one of those things where it's like you hit on the names, but you can't develop. And like, unfortunately, as we've seen many times in pro sports, the coach is the sacrificial lamb for the GM. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but back to more greener pastures in the form of the Leafs. Um, to me, like the way that the Leafs sit right now, um, like especially after that game against the. Uh, the Canucks yesterday, uh, they're going to need to have another big showing because they didn't really show up on, on, you know, the, in the game until the third period, really. I think at this point, like looking at what needs to happen, especially against the Habs, because like they're one of the hardest teams for that, for that team to even start on time because they, I don't think they haven't, I don't think they've scored first. Ooh. Beliefs in like the last few matchups. Yes, they have. They did every game against Vancouver. They did. No, I mean, I mean like I mean like against the Habs over the last little while. I can't tell you. I don't. I don't remember. I know that was it. Two years ago, they were <laughs> undefeated against them. Yeah, it was seventeen, eighteen. I believe they were uh, oh. undefeated against them. That was when Carey Price was just. And then last year, the <laughs> they had Hutchison just happened to be the goalie for every single Habs game last year. Which, right. Yeah. Which is um, very uh... – But anyways, before we do that, um, there's some other topics I want to I wanna talk about. Um, did you, you see like... Did you see all the uproar about um, the Wayne Simmons chatter on Twitter a few days ago? Yeah, apparently Twitter doesn't know how you hurt your thumb. Like, and uh, not not no, not only that, but apparently, analytics is how you're supposed to evaluate a guy like Wayne Simmons. Like I understand the way that some people are, and like you need to look at in the form of okay, like you know he's not a top six player anymore. Like, but the thing is, is that you ride a hot hand, and like Simmons isn't a goon. You're paying the guy to yes, give some sandpaper to you, but like. As we saw on Saturday, really, really all against the uh, West Coast teams, the guy could put the puck in the net. As someone who is a believer in analytics, I need people to hear this loud and clear. I do not give a shit about what his possession numbers are, what his what what his Corsi is, or any of those advanced analytics. I don't care because. Wayne Simmons is making one and a half million dollars to only do, to bank in garbage goals in front of the net, be a nuisance in front of the net, be a jerk, throw some hits, and throw a few punches as well. And has he not done that this year? He's actually played way past expectations. And then I see people on Twitter, but his possession numbers are, why are you evaluating a, at best third liner when everyone's healthy? 
on his analytics. He's not someone who drives play. He's not supposed to lead a line. It doesn't matter. I don't that that stuff doesn't matter for a player like Wayne Simmons. Like I said, what he's supposed to do, and that stuff doesn't show up in those analytics. He'll shut up and just have fun. That's what I have to say to those people. Yeah, and like the thing is, is like again, I don't want to keep picking on him because everyone on on Leafs Twitter has picked on him. Uh, but Edward and Leaf talking about how stupid it is to put Spetta and Simmons giving them more ice time. Uh, Jason Spezza scores a hat trick. A hat, well, he scored a hat trick after that. Yeah, um, and, and then like, Simmons has five goals on the year. <laughs> exactly, and like he scored three. He scored all of them within like the last three or four games. So like he scored all of them. Well, he scored two since, against... since the he scored three straight when the Alberta trip started in Calgary, and then he scored two um, the other night. Yeah, so like he knows what he's doing. So like, don't... like I said, like you're not paying him to drive play or anything. You just need him to get a few garbage goals in front of the net, be a nuisance, throw a few hits, throw a few a few punches, and that's it. And he's been doing all of that. He's been doing like I don't understand this either though because like how we've been asking for a player like him for how long? We finally have one, and now you're going to complain about his analytics not being good. Yeah, it's just saying like you can't have anything nice because you're just going to shit on him in the end. And it's really disheartening just mm-hmm. because of like the way that it is. And like, the thing is, is like, Oh, he's a minus this. And like, he's slow on the ice. Joe Thornton is slow on the ice. You know like, what he's... Did you expect them to be fast? Like they've never once been known for their skating in their whole careers. Also worth noting. And I have to do this just to be a, a jab going into uh, the game on Wednesday night when the show goes up. Corey Perry has three points in seven games. Wayne Simmons has more points than Corey Perry. Yeah, but everyone's saying, oh, they should have got Corey Perry instead of Simmons. No. Like, Simmons is at least a more respected and more liked player than Perry is. Perry is just a notorious piece of shit. As like, saw, I just need people to answer me this. Has Wayne Simmons done, not done exactly what was asked of him? And the the answer is yes. Like, and the thing is, is like, you also bring in guys for morale in the room. Oh, Simmons so, is great on that. Like, just you can tell, just like how happy everyone is when he gets a goal. Did you see, like, you see everyone's yeah. reaction? Even when Joe Thornton got his goal. Exactly. And that's what you need to do. You need to establish a morale, which will make your teammates play better and continue to produce. Because as we see, going back to Vancouver, Granted, it's not a great example in terms of veterans and young guys and whatnot. If there's no cohesion, you're going to want to kill each other. And, like, it'll lead to... Like Holpe and JT Miller? Yeah, and again... Which is stupid, by the way. That's Holpe's fault, that goal. He just gave it to Austin Matthews. And also another thing... I I don't think this has happened in Toronto. I think it only happened once in Toronto, and this was, like, the dark times with, with Kessel and I think David Booth. That's how long ago it was. Like, Jeez, I forgot. David Leafs, Booth is a, is a turd, by the way. Oh, he is. Um, but what's funny is that, like, the Leafs don't have mishaps like that. The Habs do. The Devils did. Like, I get you need to get some, like, blow off some steam. But the way that the cohesion and the, the culture has been established, it's more on selflessness than selfishness. Yes. And that's, in my opinion, teams teams with a capital T that succeed. And 
I mean, again, I don't think if they're the best team in the league, even though like their record shows that they are actually one of the best teams in the league. Um, but like again, like it's they played th- they played the second no third most amount of games in the division. Like it's gonna it's gonna be a mix. It's gonna be a mixed bag. Uh, but like again, like you're not gonna glue Wayne Simmons to Austin Matthews' wing. Like ch- chill out a little bit about that. Yeah, and I don't think he's someone that you can just replace either, like what people were saying. Oh, it's fine. He's all for six weeks. It's like you don't replace someone like that in the locker room and, like, what he brings. Like, I don't care if it gets overstated or whatever, but, like, that stuff is important. Like, if you play – like, for example, if you're doing a project for school or whatever and you're working with people that, like, you respect and and you like working with, you're going to perform much higher than with people that – you don't really like being around and don't really want to work for, right? Yeah. Like it, um, it, it works the same thing. and Trust me, it works the same way in a locker room. So that stuff is not understated. Like, it's not just like a, a one of those buzzwords that that a lot of um, analysts use. Like it, it's a real thing, locker room chemistry. Exactly, and it goes the wrong way. Look at the insert Nate Tom Brady's team here every mm-hmm. year. That he goes to the Super Bowl. Like people love him, people love Gronk, and people love all these other guys. Not to go on a football rant because I've not educated that much in football. But like, Listen to takes from the nosebleeds for that next week. There you go. That's how yeah. you shut out the other. So, um, anyways, we we were talking about the third line. Uh, we spent a lot of time on hockey this episode, by the way, just because it's really Toronto, important. and this is where, like, yeah, like there's a lot of stories coming out of it. Um, we're talking about the bottom six. I want to ask you a question and then I'll give my input. Do you think the Leafs should make an offer for Sam Bennett, who no. has reportedly asked for a trade? No. Okay, cool. No, next. Um, <laughs> um I do just you, do you want me to elaborate on that really quickly or no? If I mean, the thing um, is, is like, yeah, it's just put, no, you put him in like you put him at center, like, like the thing is, is like. I saw I people saying, need... let's trade Kerfoot for him. It's no. first, no, like Kerfoot makes a million dollars more, which is okay, whatever, but he's a much better player than Sam Bennett was. Sam Bennett's career high is 36 points. That came six years ago in his rookie season. Yeah, exactly. Kerfoot has two 40 point seasons. Granted, that was in a more, like, uh, you know, accelerated role with the Canucks, or not the Canucks, the, the, the Flames. The Avalanche. Yeah, the Avalanche, uh, sorry. Um, um, but, like, the thing is... He's is also like, a lot they, more valuable defensively than Bennett. And, I, and then I know people are going to look at this and they're going to say, oh, he's good in the playoffs. You need a guy like that in the playoffs. He's good in the playoffs. It's like... Uh, it's Calgary. Like, and also, like... okay, Calgary yeah, is not- known for their stars not showing up. So that's why Bennett got all those opportunities in the playoffs. I think Bennett's going to see much ice time in the playoffs with, with Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Tavares, uh, and insert player here in uh, in front of him in the lineup. No, he's not going to see that. To me, if you're the Leafs, and I know this is kind of a stretch, I was kind of like looking at it the other day of like players primarily on the left side because I think once everyone's healthy, the right side's pretty good because you have um, – Marner on the right. You have, uh, I think, Nylander could play both the left and the right. I think he's been playing the left more recently. Um, so that's that. I mean, like, there were a couple. 
there were two players that I was interested in the Leafs getting. They both don't cost that much. The first is Bobby Ryan, because why not? No, I, I, I honestly I don't. I don't see. see Bobby Ryan. I don't. I don't really see a fit there. The second is this is kind of a wild card name, but it's nothing against Bobby Ryan, by the way. I just, I just yeah. Don't... I just don't see a fit um, Another one is uh, I, Alex Ayafala with the LA Kings um, because he's expiring. He can play center and wing. Uh, he's off to a good start for a, a granted a bad Kings team. That's not horrible, but like struggles. Um, and also like you look at the way that they play and it's like, you know, this is a guy that could slot in with a Tavares and he landed probably on the top six. Personally, I'd also want Adrian Kempe because he has that extra year, but probably costs a lot to get him. The, the the Leafs and Kings aren't any strangers to each other either. Yeah, like they've made trades uh, each of the last two seasons, like first with Muzzin, and then you've got uh, Campbell and Kerf- and Clifford, which, God, forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, but one, in uh, short... Well, one guy who I really like is Connor Garland from yes. Ari- from Arizona. He's expiring to, I'm pretty sure is he? Uh yep, he's gonna be he's gonna be expiring after this year. But right now he's only making seven hundred seventy five thousand for this year. It would cost a lot to get him though. I mean I'm willing to trade I don't know what a package would look like because he's not making much money at all. So I trade, I trade like thing is Engvall won't be enough. You'd have to do Engvall and like plus plus. Maybe like Engvall. Um, <laughs> Maybe we'll give them VC. <laughs> I was thinking Jimmy VC. But um, no, they're not going to accept a trade. We're just like, here, take our garbage and just give us your one of your good players. That's not how it's going to work, unfortunately. You're going to kill me for this, but it may actually make sense. What if you did Engvall and then one of Lettinen or Dermot going the other way? Just because, like, the left side, you're stacked. You have Ryan, I don't think they'll Boston. trade Lettinen. I think they trade Dermot before Lettinen. Exactly. I, it, for Connor Garland, I wouldn't I – wouldn't, mind that at all because I do like I do like Sandine better than I do Dermot right and like the thing is is like you, you could probably also throw in like as a throwaway a Bear Banoff because he's not playing that well uh, and Arizona does need scoring and they need bodies so I mean like that'll probably help um, but again like we don't know what the asking price and also like on the left side like they have a lot of guys that are coming up this year like OEL's not playing, but the only defenseman that's locked up past this year is Jacob Chikrin. They need blue line help, and I think the Leafs and Connor like Garland. They, Arizona's a weird case because they got some like good building blocks. Well, like what are you going to give? Got up? nothing. Like like I really like Chikrin. Chikrin's a really good player. He's um, probably one of the only defenders that they've developed properly. Clayton Keller is is a player. Um. Uh, Connor Garland's a player if they decide to keep him. I know he's not too involved in trade rumors, but that's just like a name that like I'd really like to see on the Leafs. Yeah, uh, Barrett Hayton is still a project. Yeah. Tyler Pitlick, 
like they got pieces that. to like where Arizona can have like a pretty good future. They just gotta really add to it more. So I'm curious to see what they do. They to kind of an interesting case. This is gonna sound kind of rude. They remind me so much of an expansion team right now. Uh, how how an expansion team should look like. Exactly. <laughs> like they they are gonna be the archetype for what Seattle is. Um, but again, we don't know what it's gonna look like. Um but yeah, just to kind of wrap up on hockey, just because we kind of hit on everything. Um, uh, well, we're going to tee up the Leafs and Habs. Yeah, okay. We'll tee up the Leafs and Habs, and then we'll go on, on other stuff. Um, so, like, the thing is, like, okay, circling back to Bennett, unless you're throwing Barabanov off to that mix, you're not making that deal. I'm sorry. Like, no, it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Especially, like, he's making over $2 million and he, I don't want him playing anywhere above the the fourth line like on the third and, line I'd, I'd say everyone's better on the third line on the Leafs than Bennett other than VC but VC's making 900k not over 2 million also keep in mind that looking at the team as a whole like when you look at Bennett he's going to be an RFA next year Dubas has already gone through so many RFA contracts he's like god keep that away from me even yeah. though this would be a pretty simple a simple one to, to sign because he really hasn't only, done much. The only big RFA contract that's going to come back for Dubas, I think, next season is going to end up being probably uh, probably Travis Dermott if they keep him. But again, like, I don't, like, do I want to see Dermott go? No, but at the same time, you if you sign Miko Lettinen and you have Rasmus Sandy waiting, waiting in the wings and also Sandy getting a point in his first game, like, he has that's... one point in five minutes of ice time this year. Imagine his points per 60, speaking of that from earlier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, like, unless we're going to see Dermot playing on the right, which we haven't seen that yet, like, I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. There's still a lot to go to. But anyway, um, so we have round two of Leafs Habs coming up on Wednesday. Can we start oh. off this segment by saying I am very happy that both teams are good because the rivalry for a lot of for like the a few years or for years before this year was just dead. None of the teams were good at the same time and it was just like boring. Exactly. And you always want to have like competitive matchups with with anybody really. Like you don't Well, it just this. it's better for hockey when both the Canadians and Leafs are good. Like imagine they meet in the playoffs this year. Yeah, exactly. And, like, this is – like, remember, like – I know this is before our time, but, like, remember 93 when it could have been the Leafs and, and Habs at the Stanley Cup final? I mean, I've seen highlights of it. But, like, if that happened back <laughs> then, like, that would have literally, I think, skyrocketed the sport. But many can argue against it because you have the best player in hockey in the whole And Wayne Gretzky should have gotten called on a penalty and not scored the goal to eliminate the Leafs. It's funny. We're, we weren't even alive for that, and we're still bitter about that. It's yes, I am so... very much bitter. You know why? Because there's a chance that we didn't have to hear 1967 every fucking day on Twitter. Uh, 1967. <laughs> Get a new we, chirp. We could have heard 1993 instead. Yes. New rule. If your team has not won a Stanley Cup in your lifetime, you're you're not allowed to talk shit at another team who hasn't won in a long time. Unless exactly. you've been alive for your team winning one. Can't you can't say shit. 
Agreed. And like comparing this team, like from where like both teams from where they were to start the season, like they're very similar. Mm-hmm. Like in the form of like the Habs are getting goaltending, the Leafs are getting goaltending. They're both score they both have scored uh forty eight goals each. I'm gonna like, be anyway, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'm gonna go up on a bit of a rant. Um I think the Habs have gotten off to a very good start, obviously. Just look at the standings. They're right there. But with that being said, no way in hell this is sustainable by any measure at all from what they're doing. They are playing well, 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 well above expectations. Just to give you... uh, where is this? I had a tab open with a bunch of shit, and now there's ads all over the place because hockey reference is terrible for that. Uh, <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, get out of here, you stupid ads. Oh my gosh. Like, I can't see. Like, the. Oh my God, this is so dumb. Anyways, here we go. Now it's gone. Like, just who's having like a really good season this year in the Habs? Um, Tyler okay, yeah, Tyler Toffoli right now. Let's see what's his shooting percentage because I know it's like an ex- at an extremely high rate. His shooting shoot- percentage right now is at 21.4 percent. That's not oh. going to be sustainable. He's that's not going to last throughout this whole season. Well, like half um, of his goals he scored against the Canucks, he scored time. against the Canucks too, have zero defense and zero goaltending, but like whatever, like it. it, it you can't really fault the Habs for having an easy schedule. You have to play who's in front of you, right? You also have Josh Anderson, who's I think has the highest shooting, no, second highest shooting percentage on the team, twenty one point six. Yeah, that's not sustainable. And then you have Petrie, Jeff Petrie, shooting at thirty percent this year. Yeah. Right. Let me make sure shooting percentage. Oh wait, right now it's at. It's at just no. Under. Okay, yeah, it, it changed from last time I saw it, but <laughs> but yeah, eighteen point eight percent, and he's a career six percent. He's career six percent shooting percentage. That's not going to that that he's shooting more than double the amount of what he of what he should be triple actually. It's triple. Um, I know. Um, what's his name? Thomas Tatar too right now is shooting well above his career average. Let's see, shooting percentage right now. Okay, it's 15.8 and his career shooting percentage is 13 point. So he's about two percent higher. That's that'll dip a little bit, but you won't see much change in him. But the thing that's really not gonna keep up is Carey Price. Because he's doing really well right now. But if you look at his high danger. Uh, percentage it is he's stopping 96 percent of the shots in the high danger zone which is the slot area right the league average is around 850 and his average over the last six seasons is like eight was it was under 850 there's no way he's going to keep that up the rest of the year this is why, like, to me, like, the Habs, like, they're a good team. They're definitely going to be top three in the division, especially after this start. 
probably even the second best team in the in the Canadian division. Let's be honest here, because but there's no way that they're going to keep this up. It's not going to happen. Like they're going to they're going to regress. As in team yeah, like right now they're having the best possible start to a season. And like I mean good for them. Like I I wasn't this high on them, but I knew they would be better, they'd be more competitive. I knew Toffoli was a great signing. I knew Allen was great to to take a load off of Price because he hasn't had that like probably his whole career, to be honest. He hasn't Yeah, he hasn't really had like we talk about like Freddie not having a stable backup. Gary Price has not. Like I remember like like trying to remember the backups that he's had in his career. There was like Duffy last year Car- was, yeah, Kincaid. Yeah, Kincaid, Lingren. Uh, I think they had. Uh, they had Condon at one point. Remember that? Yeah, they had Mike Condon at one point. Uh, Auntie Niemi, uh, Ben Scrivens. Ooh, when when that's a name. That is a name. Um, I don't think of who else. There's another one that I'm thinking. Peter Budai, way back in the day. Yeah, he hasn't um, had like good backup for his whole career yeah and i think that's what really many people have fans have been like looking at it's like he's great but like who's gonna help him yeah it's just yeah like i said with those percentages and the way the way they're on they're on it stuff like they're not gonna be able to sustain that like i'm sorry you can give me anything no no players ever shot at those percentages for their whole career or for throughout a whole season and no one has been as good as Carey Price has in high danger save percentage ever, probably. But yeah, they're definitely a team not to be taking taken lightly, though. Oh, for sure. And I think it's definitely something that, like, we're gonna see. I think we're gonna see a cluster bleep of a performance uh, on Wednesday night from both sides. I'm 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 excited to be honest. I'm excited. Like I said, I like it when both these teams are good at the same time. Yeah, exactly. And it's not just you know both teams like Habs went through a couple like rough stretches in like the mid 2010s. Like the Leafs were just god awful for a long period of time. So it's nice to see. And I'm hoping that you know those next Leafs could win the two games. But I mean, who knows, right? Yeah. All right, um, move on yeah, to basketball because that's a thing as well going on in the city. I hear rumor that somebody's house is for sale. Whose house is that? Uh, the house of multiple time all star and uh, North Philly's finest Kyle Lowry is apparently for sale, uh, which is very surprising. But also, Did you see that on Twitter? I did see it on Twitter. And there are some rumors speculating that they are quietly shopping Lowry, uh, which is very much, um, you know, questionable. Um, but again, like we've kind of wanted to avoid this conversation for what, like, how, how long have we been talking about Lowry rumors? Like years. And there was, and there was a rumor actually. I don't want. I, I'm. I'm not ready for Kyle Lowry to be traded, man. I'm oh, not I'm ready. Not, I'm not either. And there was actually a rumor that I I heard earlier when I was listening to Sportsnet, uh, well, five ninety, but uh, basically saying that back in 2019, there was a chance that Lowry could have went to Memphis with Gilles Valanciunas, but they 
they stopped it there. They didn't add more to it. So. Oh my God, that makes me scared to think about. Could you imagine that championship run without Kyle Lowry? Wouldn't be able to call him NBA champion Kyle Lowry anymore. I don't think they would have won the championship without Lowry. No, they me. wouldn't have. Oh and my gosh, it, that's scary to think about how close it was. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, as we've seen over the last little bit, like this team, I think, is still very much, they're not horrible by any means. Like they're a they've very been on a good run. Team. Like they went from two and seven to being like, like they're on the outside of a. Now they're spot. eleven and thirteen. Yeah, they're and in like, eighth, eighth seed right now. And like you look at the teams that they're in front of, like they could patch, like they're basically neck and neck with Atlanta. Atlanta just they played could, one they less could, game. They could, they could catch the Hawks, uh, the Pacers. They beaten twice, I think. Or they they beat them once, I think they. they yeah, they had the back to back two weeks ago. They beat the Nets, although that was very controversial. Just to show you how no one is really handling this. Can, can, uh, do you want to talk about that? I forgot to put that in yeah. our lineup, but so but I feel like that's a big thing that happened that it, just kind of got swept under the rug. Like, I don't understand how he was able to. They said, oh, he can play, but he can't start. How does that, how does that do anything? So, and then he plays what? About two, he it was in the third quarter. He got asked to leave the game again because of COVID protocol, right? So he played about half the game, and then he's like, "Oh no, yeah, you've actually I did come in contact with someone with COVID, so you have to leave." Why? Why was he allowed to take the floor in the first place? Like that's ridiculous. And I think that just goes to show you, like, for as mu- as serious as the league has taken COVID. And they haven't had positive cases since the end of January, to our knowledge. Like that, that that's Bush League. That should not have happened. And like I have seeing- a theory. Go for it. I can't remember if I told you this or not, but my theory is if that game wasn't a nationally televised game in the US and it wasn't Kevin Durant, he wouldn't have played that game. But because it was on national TV and because it was one of their most marketable stars, they just said, Oh, it's fine until until things weren't fine until it wasn't yeah yeah until they were like oh shit we screwed this up we gotta fix this fast like uh, it's just it's just complete negligence like i couldn't enjoy the game after that like it was a great raptors win a great comeback Kyle Lowry had a great game helped lead the charge but i i just was watching and i'm like oh cool like i couldn't enjoy it it just completely ruined it for me and like it makes me wonder because you've seen a lot of coaches and like general managers in the NBA and even the players too say like, Oh, I have faith in the league and their protocols and what they do and and all that. Do you think any of the Raptors players, any of the Nets players still have faith in it? No. And I think this really, just even the Nets players, because even, even post game, I think it was James Harden who said like, it was crazy that we even played after that point, the rest of the game should have been postponed until they figured it out. Yeah. And I think like, it really kind of goes to show how, like, I don't know if there's, like, broken telephone or anything like that that was involved. But, like, considering that you've been doing so well in terms of, like, handling it and the protocols and whatnot uh, and, you know, postponing and suspending games when you need to, like, this could have all been avoided. And, like, I know some people are like, oh, but he already had it. Yeah, and, like, May. Do you not know how long 
like can't you're not immune to everything forever we still don't even know yet like if if you have it once then you're immune for it forever like that's not something that scientists mm-hmm. know yet like a hundred percent exactly and that's really just uh a really tricky situation to look at um but you know i digress because somehow i'm sure you know again like again this could have all been like blown out of proportion but it could have been handled so much better if they say the term with an abundance of caution is thrown around a lot especially in sports leagues these days right if you're going to say that, be true to it. If you're not sure if someone has come in contact with the disease and the only test that you have is an inconclusive one, don't start that game until you have that test. Yeah. Until you have it confirmed. You take everyone off the floor and say, there's another test coming in. We're going to wait for that result. It might take an hour. It might take two hours. We're not going to start this game until, until we know that because we can't put anybody else at risk. And you isolate that player away from the rest of the team for the time being. Cause then there's just, and then if that, once that test comes back and if it's negative you start the game, if it's positive, you postpone that game to another time when you can play it. Here's what's unfortunate. The league is paying for PCRs and rapid tests and the NBA, I think NBA players are getting more tested than like anybody that is friggin' playing sport. Right. Now. Which is good which is good. Why are the NHL not supplying these rapid tests? The especially, NHL, I don't think, can, I legitimately don't can't think afford the it. NHL can't, can't afford it. Right. And that's why these leagues are, are forking over the money. And I think what mm-hmm. it really goes to show is like franchises like Buffalo and New Jersey, for example, if you know that you have back-to-backs, you have to handle that situation beforehand because PCR takes three days to come back. Mm-hmm. So if your players get tested on say uh the friday and they don't get their results until saturday until sunday or monday why play those two games it definitely is a thing that the nhl should look into but it blows my mind though like i do legitimately think that the nhl can't afford it because most of the teams don't make money but it's a professional sports league. I bet you if it was the, I bet you the Toronto Maple Leafs would be able, and the New York Rangers and the Montreal Canadiens and all like the top earners well, would be able lucky. to afford it for their own teams. Well, they're lucky because the Ontario, like the Ontario government, I think, and also other provincial governments are making it accessible for um, people in the, you know, pro scheme to like get their hands on it. And mm-hmm. like testing has been one of the things that everyone's been looking at right now especially when it comes to like looking at reopening stuff, which is funny. If you're an NHL player, you could go to a restaurant. Well, in some places, I think from all of everything I've heard, I know that the Toronto Maple Leafs are have like a pretty strict protocol and all the players have been pretty like, I've been following it pretty rigorously, but I know, and even here, like restaurants aren't even open in Toronto, or like I, in most of the country, I'm pretty sure. So, so like you don't have to worry about that. But then if you go to like like Florida, like who has the cases right now? I remember, I remember Dallas had had it when the season Dallas started. Had, Dallas had a brutal outbreak. Florida had an outbreak. Um, Tampa Bay was, did, but that was before the bubble. That was before remember the that? season. 
same thing with uh, Columbus. Vegas had an outbreak. Vegas had two outbreaks, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Um, and a lot of those states are states where you're allowed to do that. So clearly, like, the rules that these teams have are getting, like, are, aren't aren't smart enough. And if the NHL wants to, like, get this season going, then they got to tell their teams, like, keep keep track of this shit because – it's not or else you're going to lose money, like even more money than you already have this season. I think now with the vaccine rollout in the U.S., they're banking on that helping with people. For know, the time being, but the fuck can't these players just stay home? You like Bro, you, you have it, enough money. Get your del- life, get your groceries delivered out. to you. Like we're all it. Like it, we're... Anyways, we're out, um, like, we're... okay. Here's the thing: if you want to go out and play like shinny on the ice, I won't get mad at you for that. But, like, if you want to go to like, I don't know, I was gonna say a strip club, but you can't do that here. You don't have to go. Well, like the thing is, there hasn't been an, any issue with the Canadian clubs. The only one on a Canadian club, on a Canadian team, was Pierre Luc Dubois, and just because that's only because he had to, uh, he had to quarantine because of crossing borders. That's the only exactly. one. That's the only Canadian. So. It's probably the governments in Canada that are mostly taking it more seriously than a lot of the states in the U.S., which is why, which is why like there's no cases in in the Canadian division. So I don't know. It's it's one of those things. What can the rest of the league learn from the from the Canadian division? But anyways, we're supposed to be talking about basketball. Yeah, we uh, we keep going on these standards. Um. We're going into the basketball uh, idea. Uh, we're going back to there. Uh, we saw the Bobby Webster extension. Love it. Um, I really like it because I see it like this. If you can't get um, Masai Ujiri to re-sign, you at least have a piece of him inside of Bobby Webster. He's been uh, Masai's right-hand man for – for years since I believe when did he get hired first by the Raptors? I believe it was like in, in 2013, but he was like, a like he, he's risen up the ranks in the front office. Bobby and Webster first signed with the Raptors. He became GM in 2017, I believe. He was named as the team general manager in 2017. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then before that he was with the organization, but in lesser roles and he worked his way up and he's one of Masai's projects. So what I like about oh, yeah. it is if Messiah does want a different challenge and wants to move on to a different team, you have you have a piece of him in Bobby Webster, if that makes sense, which is – and I know he's also very respected around the league too. So that's – it would it would have been a big blow if you lost them both. Right. But, yeah, there's very much things that are, are getting there. Um. Stop yawning. Oh my god. I'm tired, dude. I had a rough night last night. Um, and anyway, um, what, what, what else is there to discuss? Um, um we can just move on to talk- the Blue Jays or whatever there's talking well, about. Before, before we before we go to the baseball really quickly, is an Andre Drummond trade something you want? It depends on the price. You have to give up Norman Powell. I say no just because. Andre Drummond brings one thing and one thing only, and that is rebounding. And I'm not willing to pay that price for just rebounds. Yeah. But again, like they're like 
The Cavs are such a wild card team. Nobody knows what the hell they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Just there. Uh, yeah, let's go to baseball. Um, Bauer signed. Yes. Uh, very crazy. Um, so yeah, that means the Jays won't get him, but I think that was expected ever since the Jays locked up Springer. Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, now we've talked about this many times before, but um, in regards to like another arm to go in that rotation, are you still dead set on Taiwan Walker? Of the three that are talked about in Walker, Odorizzi, and Paxton, I do think he's the best of the three. Right. So that's why and there's familiarity there. And I believe there's mutual interest too. Very true. And also like you're getting a younger player with Walker in comparison to Paxton and also very healthy. He's he's also he's not even 30 yet, right? No. Which is wild because I feel like he's been in the league forever. Exactly. Like and he's already had Tommy John surgeries, already had a bunch of other injuries. Paxton, I think, has had like ankle injuries, you know, like something on his back and his elbow. Yeah, Paxton. Paxton scares me. Paxton is like on the bottom of my list, not because I don't like him, but just because of that injury history. For sure, yeah. Like it's the very best, much like something. Yeah, like the best thing you can get out of a pitcher is availability, right? Yep. Especially with a starter, and you don't want to be having dead money in a player who will probably not be healthy for a lot of the season. For sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, but, but which makes know. me think, uh, I'm hoping that we, we were saying for a while now, Trevor Bauer signing will open up the pitching market, and it's been five, like four days now since he signed, and there hasn't been any movement yet with the, other, with the remaining pitchers. Yeah. Um... I think we're going to see it a lot more, but again, with spring training literally a week away, a little over a week away, and like a lot of these players haven't signed yet, it's very... uh, It's getting close. It is getting close, and hopefully like baseball doesn't end up going through any big uh, hurdles with people, you know, not not abiding by restrictions and whatnot. It makes me nervous that that spring training is in two states where they're not really taking COVID seriously. <laughs> like I'm hoping that the player that, or that the teams really buckle down on that and make sure that their players are following protocol and all that. Cause you don't need another Cleveland Indian situation from what happened at the beginning of last season. For sure. And I think it's really just goes to show like how, you know, different it can be. And how, like, you know, there, there's still a whole lot that needs to be done. And, like, I still think we're just going to – we're going to see fans, mm-hmm. unfortunately, like, whether they're masked or not. Um, I think now that we have the Super Bowl in the books, we kind of can see what at least, like, the immediate norm is going to look like for the future in terms of fans. Um, I still I still think that there shouldn't have been fans at the Super Bowl other than oh, – the Other than – I think it should have been 25,000 vaccinated uh, healthcare workers because that would have been pretty cool. But then it's also like, do they want to go? Yeah, well, the thing is with me is that, you know, I don't think you need to tell the healthcare workers who have been there and seen what's going on. You wouldn't need to tell them to wear their masks and keep their distance. 
for the most part because they know how bad this shit can get, right? Exactly, yeah. Um, um, it's, no. it, it's just the normal people that kind of scare me because I feel like the people who are comfortable with going to a stadium to watch a sporting event during these times are the same people who don't want to wear a mask and think that this isn't something that we should be taking seriously. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. That's really, really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to be making judgments on anybody, but that's just the the feeling that I get. I'm not saying everyone is like that, but that's just the general, the general idea that it gives me. For sure. Yeah. Um, uh, so before we end things off, I just saw something on Cap Friendly uh, that apparently Timothy Lilligren has moved to the least taxi squad. Ooh. Ooh. So I'm wondering if maybe that is a corresponding move with the Wayne Simmons injury or maybe something else. A trade? Malkin? Malkin? Uh, Dennis Malkin getting traded? <laughs> yeah, Dennis Malkin and Travis Dermott for... Connor Garland, Connor Garland. Let's, go. let's go. Yes, exactly. Okay. That, that's a that's a trade. That's a trade that they'll definitely accept. Arizona. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also worth noting before we end it off, Pierre Luc Dubois on a on a third line with Kyle Connor and Trevor Lewis. Why? Who's the Why second line center? Paul Stastny. Oh no. Dude, who are his two. wingers? Who's Stastny's wingers? Stastny's wingers are Wheeler and Veselinen. Not if that name says so well. All oh, the names you could do with Vaseline. Why wouldn't you? Uh, oh my God! I know. Why, why, oh, Palmeries. Anyways, I is it Most just? Paul. I would. Does do does Connor or Wheeler? Can they play on the opposite side? Because imagine a second line of Pierre Luc Dubois up the middle, and you have. Connor and Wheeler on both his wings. Connor can only play on the left. Wheelers could play both. Uh, I would put, I would put Dubois on the first line with Wheelers and Connor. Yeah, like I know Veselinen's like a top pick, but like uh, that that would be that would be an insane line. Like I understand Shifley is there, but. I mean, they are playing against the... Stasny uh, on the second line over Dubois is the real crime here. I guess they're really confident in terms of uh, in terms of like their team against Calgary, but who knows at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think we really hit everything on the head. I think so. So anything else you would like to... Uh, Touch on, or we kind of hit it all on the head. Just tell everyone to stay home, wear their masks. Stay home, no matter how much shit is opening up. I know, but still, we're getting there. The weather, the weather's going to be nice in about a month. Hopefully, you can have. I saw, I saw that the United States apparently is on track in nine months to get seventy-five percent of their their population vaccinated. I think they can definitely do it sooner. You're going to see some stuff. You're going to see some wicked shit. I think. I hope. Uh, who knows? Mm-hmm. Let's hope progress. and pray that this is almost over. I feel like we're at the beginning of the end. All rebuilds take time. 
This is the rebuild of planet Earth. Yeah. Oh, trust me. As Leafs fans, we know how long rebuilds are. Really? Are you sure? After 2016, I don't know. One year. Yeah, but that 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 was that was like a one-off. That was. It took a year and a half. That was an outlier. The pandemic next year will be marking one year, and a little bit half will be the half. It's crazy. It's crazy. I was thinking. I was thinking. Family Day weekend, which is what next weekend? Yes. Family Day weekend was the weekend I went to Buffalo last year to watch a Leafs game, which in hindsight, probably not the smartest thing to do, but I guess ignorance is bliss, right? Um, I guess so. Yeah. And then like two weeks after that or three weeks after that, the world shut down. I can't believe it's already been a year. I feel like you shouldn't have gone. Yeah. But, oh, well, oh God, I was in like some trashy bar in Buffalo after the game too and everything. Uh, who knows how much COVID was there in the arena too. But anyways, let's not think about that. And just uh, follow us on Twitter. If you haven't at the beginning of the show, you should take out your phones now. Find us on Twitter at Q underscore city roundup. And when you're done, open up your Instagram app and do the same thing. But on Instagram, we are at Queen City Roundup. I was going to like low key, like open up each page so like people film it could be like yeah see you can look it on the screen but like <laughs> next time next time i'm way too tired processing the thing. it's free to follow by the way and, and easy very simple very simple i told you how easy it was you would have done it by even, now and we're not even like pushovers with posting we're like pretty cool yeah all right any last words um no stone trade for sam bennett you're fine sam bennett for andre drummond do it Yes, that's how trades work. Yep. All right, see you next week.